Welcome to the ProcureTech podcast, bringing insight and inspiration into how digital technology is shaping our profession. I'm your host, James Meads, tea drinker, expat, and definitely not your typical consultant. Yes, hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning into the ProcureTech podcast. It's great to have you with us. And before we get started, I just want to express my thanks really to everyone that's downloaded an episode over the past four or so months since we launched the show. I was looking at my statistics just the other day and we've actually reached 45 countries in terms of our listener base. It's just amazing and it blows my mind to think that we've reached so many different corners of the globe with the content that we've brought to the listener base. So huge thanks from me before we jump in. And on today's show, We're tackling a topic that really speaks to a lot of what I write about and what I talk about both on the show and on LinkedIn and on my website and through the work that I do with clients. And that is that simple solutions are often the most effective and it's all about working smarter, but not necessarily harder and trying to get more done with less or the same amount of resource. Because we know during these times, people don't have massive IT budgets to spend on a really expensive solution or an army of consultants. And sometimes or often companies need to get some quick wins without necessarily having to spend a huge amount of money. So my guest today speaks really to that concept and we're going to have a great discussion, I think. So in today's show, we're going to be talking all around how to control and how to save money on indirect employee expenditure simply through having more awareness and more data around us. And to do this, my guest today is Anthony Devine from Finfo. Anthony, welcome to the show. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for coming on. So, Anthony, we got in touch maybe a couple of months ago when you were explaining what this does. And I really loved it just because of its pure simplicity. But before we dive into what Finfo can do and some of the tools and tricks that that, that are available out there to be able to, to get better data in terms of individual employee expenditure on uh, on sort of indirect overheads, just maybe explain how you got into this and how you became a founder from what I believe was a very different career. Yeah, that's right, James. So my background isn't in the corporate world or in procurement at all. I kind of fell into this role uh, about five or six years ago when some friends of mine that do work in in the corporate world kind of got we all got together and were talking about some of the problems and some of the challenges that they were facing in in their corporate world and one of those were clients were continually approaching them asking them if they had partners or were aware of any services that gave employees visibility of these indirect employee expenditures and and they came to me with with this with this problem really and my background as I say isn't in uh, enterprise or in procurement at all it's actually in the fire service so I have (laughs) over a decade (laughs) yeah totally different kind of space but I have over a decade of experience in the fire service going to incidents dealing with emergencies dealing with crises all the time and I think they look to me to 
bring a level of of operational knowledge really around around troubleshooting a problem a real life problem and coming up with a solution for that problem now i do have a little bit of a of a tech background not extensively but as you know you alluded to the point of the uh, during the intro that this finfor is you know it's a very simple solution and and that's the the essence of it really and that's my background in troubleshooting like if you want to call it firefighting uh, people's problems <laughs> we do a lot and... of firefighting in procurement as well believe <laughs> yeah. me i think anyone can yeah. attest to that <laughs> And I think that's when I really f- just fit into the one of the co-founders' roles, um, and that's when Finfo was born. Fantastic. So before we jump in, indirect employee expenses, I guess you can define that in a number of different ways. So so just to make sure that we're all sort of singing from the same hymn sheet and, and that anyone listening to this knows what we mean by that, uh, how, how do you define that and in its broader sense? And then we can dive into the the actual areas that that Finfo as a tool can actually track? Yeah, it's it's a great question, James, and we get it all the time. And there's a very simple answer to it. And it's those pieces of expenditure that is typically procured and paid for centrally. Um, so that we're not talking about, you know, somebody going to a train station or booking, you know, some travel on their credit card and then claiming that expense back. This is the indirect stuff that the, that the employees typically don't see. They still they have access to the service as it's procured centrally, and then they they don't pick up the cost for it. That's also paid centrally. So it would be then if a cor- if if a corporate client has a central supplier for for a particular commodity and and travel and telecommunications are i guess the obvious ones i mean mm-hmm. we looked at marketing spend a few episodes ago with with sarah scudder which is a great episode on how to save money on on print and promotional items which is another very similar sort of indirect area of spend that can often get out of control but we're talking here about individual employee expenses that are put onto a central corporate account with one central supplier across the board. Correct. Yeah. So typically, as you say, travel expend, managed travel, managed print, business mobile phones. Yep. Yeah, you're, you're spot on there. How do you break that down then? Because if it's essentially a free for all in terms of what an individual employee can do and and what they can buy, and and inevitably there will be budgets governing that. I mean, I think every corporation has a travel budget or has a travel policy in terms of what hotels come on someone can book and and how much they can individually spend on on travel each month. Perhaps not so much in sales, but certainly in uh, in other functions that are considered as as being overheads. What data is available and how can you get access to it? And then how can you, uh, how did you then bring that into, into a technical solution that, that enables that data to be visible in a format that is easily digestible by, by an individual employee or by a head of department to be able to have more control of their spend? Typically, you know, large businesses they're sat on gold mines worth of, worth of data. The data is usually always there. More often than not, it's not in a great condition because the data is, you know, when you're, when you're implementing solutions like business mobile phones or managed print, managed travel, the, the setup of the account or of the supplier, you know, the, the, the data is accurate from day one. And then if you don't manage that data, it, 
gets less and less accurate as the months and years go by. But to answer your question, James, the data is typically in one of two places. It's either with the supplier on a portal or on their own systems. Um, Take business mobile phones, for example, we typically access our clients' data on behalf of them through the network providers portal, a very simple way to access the data. Uh, the alternative, a, a not so simple way, is usually the, the data could be on the client's infrastructure. A little bit more technical, a little bit more work involved to get that data. But it's for, that's for things like managed print services where the print data is actually in something like Equitrack or Papercut, which is hosted on the, the client's internal servers. And when we're talking about print spend there, we're talking about use of faxes, copiers, printers, as opposed to marketing and promotional items, print spend. Of course, of course, yes. Yeah, just to, just to be clear. Okay, so what's preventing the client from just getting that data themselves and distributing it? There are usually uh, methods that they can get that that data. As I say, some suppliers uh, have portals that the clients can can log into, but typically they have a very, very low click-through rate, often somewhere between 15 and 25% um, click-through rate onto those portals. And also you've got to have the skill and the knowledge to be able to know what you're looking for and then when you do finally access the data it's then eventually getting around to analyzing that data and generating some really useful actionable insights that you can then communicate into the business so it's really it's really two issues then that that a client will potentially face it's maybe even three it's it's a being able to access that data and when they do access it it's been able to interpret a big dump of data into a CSV or into an Excel spreadsheet. And then it's been able to present that format in a design and in an experience or in a dashboard that enables that data to be able to have an impact on the business and to to educate users into maybe improving or modifying their habits in terms of how they're spending the company's money. Yeah, exactly, James. You know, we're one of the challenges that we're being asked to help with uh, more often uh, than not is to analyze data to generate that knowledge and actionable insights and and ultimately you know give them some leverage when it comes to their procurement decisions so it's the the age-old chestnut that just keeps coming up on each pretty much every podcast that i record it's just access to data and being able to analyze that data and the fact that historically procurement departments have never had data analysts or at least not in the in the volume that they need to be able to make and drive these decisions and it's often just cheaper and more cost effective to outsource that type of work to to an external company which it sounds like you've capitalized on and and done pretty well from so do clients ever have concerns around data or i mean how especially in europe with things like gdpr and and certainly some european countries are, are very very sensitive around data privacy I assume that the data that you get must be anonymous in some way or, or, and, and that it would just give reference numbers rather than the people's names to be able to display that data in a public format within the company so as it's not singling out a specific employee and, and sort of putting them on the pe- pedestal for being, a, for being a sinner if they're spending a lot on their mobile <laughs> phone or on travel. 
actually it's not as tightly controlled as you would expect so within the the data there is absolutely the employees names sometimes the employees id number depending on the service provider that they do capture that data now from our our perspective you know when we're engaging with clients they have as you would expect different requirements depending on which which client they are or which company they are in terms of data uh, standards and regulations that they like to follow obviously you've got the the legal ones like um, gdpr but then in large enterprise level they expect partners like us to be iso 27001 accredited and and as part of that certification is all the gdpr and data protection um, processes that then we have to get we have to put in place and also we're audited every year by an, an ISO certified um, approver and and that's how we develop our internal practices through the ISO accreditation now that's just one way that that a client could assess our capabilities in terms of data protection but also they may send us um, their own data security questionnaires depending on the size of the business they may have their own data security teams that then deal with us one-on-one to, to ensure that our practices meet their standards so you as an organization would have access to a to a lot of data but the the way that the the way that the client, the way that the company that you're working with distributes that data and publishes that data within their organization is then just down to the company-specific policy around that and how they feel that should fit into the company's values in terms of, you know, to what extent do they want to publish names or employer IDs? Of course, of course yes. And, yeah. and ultimately, although the, the individual employees' names are there, the data that you know is held by the the service provider is ultimately it ultimately belongs to the company and they can do with it what they see fit so just a quick interlude before we move on with the rest of the podcast just to say that if you are a procurement leader or a finance leader in a manufacturing company and you're struggling to get to grips with your spend or you just maybe need an extra pair of hands to resolve a specific issue and drive some bottom line results just drop me a connection request on LinkedIn or just ping me an email to info at jamesmeadsconsulting.com or just follow the link in the show notes to book a free 30-minute initial call with me so as I can learn more about your business and what I can do to help you. So now let's jump right back into the interview. So walk us through a story then, Anthony, of you've won a new client, they're on board with this. How would you typically then get the data presented to them and how would they then use what they use the data that you've given to them to then drive savings well it's not just savings it's awareness as well isn't it and through awareness comes savings i guess through you know educating people and giving greater data transparency in last week's episode actually with procurify it's not about spend control it's about spend transparency and creating a spend culture and once you have that it's a lot easier than to make inroads if you're bringing it, if you're taking everyone with you rather than having a very sort of dictatorial, dictatorial top-down approach. So what typically have you seen in terms of savings from, from this as well? 
to kind of go back to your, your original question of, of what we typically do when we're engaging with a client or with a, with a prospect, somebody that's interested in what we're trying to help them with, as soon as we can get access to the data, it's really easy for us to, to generate a return on investment and to give them some kind of hints and tips and offer some pieces of low-hanging fruit that they could take away. They could walk away from us and take that themselves and implement it. And we were aware of that and we're totally open to doing that. You know, some of some examples might be take business mobile phones you know, I'm happy to to offer some words of wisdom now, you know, looking at things like zero usage, you know, so typically 10, 20% of a business mobile phone estate in our experience is zero usage. So the clients are paying for line rental and the devices are not even being used. Something, you know, monitoring premium rate numbers or international rate numbers and then ultimately data you know data is one of the greatest commodities now when it comes to business mobile phones or just mobile phones in general you know a lot of companies now are getting these all you can eat calls texts etc and it's the data where where the charges are, are coming from especially if you travel to places that aren't included in data roaming yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. And and they're the types of things that we would offer a client or a prospect, even before onboarding them fully with us, we'd get access to the data as soon as possible to be able to provide that analysis so that they can see a return on investment as quickly as possible. We, we use a term when we're talking to clients or prospects called time to value and we try to keep that as short as possible we want our clients to get value in us as as quickly as as possible and we even do that as part of the kind of acquisition process and that's like anything even in the consulting world as well you know performing a quick win or demonstrating that you can pay back your fee within a few months is is paramount in terms of being able to win clients and that's that's something that i actually guarantee as part of my services as well because ultimately anything that costs money needs to deliver a payback for the person that's buying it or trying to convince the business to 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 take it on board to have the respect of the business and to and and to prove that it's delivering yeah and and typically we often see savings of 30 to 40% in the first year you know and that's that is literally through those quick wins that i just mentioned and plus a few more and also and just from the pure engagement with the employees you know you're taking the data you're transforming it and you're delivering it to the employees in a really informative really compelling way that engages them and as you said before it ultimately changes habits, changes behaviors, and creates a more cost-conscious culture rather than a top-down approach with policy and guidance that's restrictive and not very user-friendly. I think especially on travel, that really resonates. I mean, I've I've experienced this in the past as well, where companies that I've worked for have had quite heavy-handed travel policies, and it just, it just demotivates. Nobody by choice takes a flight on a Sunday to the other side of the world because they enjoy it it's because they think they're going to deliver value to the business and i think everyone accepts that there has to be control but it's more around being smarter with that and maybe booking your flights early or making sure that you're taking lowest cost carrier because especially if you're flying short haul 
you know, do you really need to fly British Airways or Lufthansa or can you fly EasyJet? I mean, it doesn't really make <laughs> yes. any difference these days that you have to bloody pay for everything these days anyway now, if you, whichever, whichever plane you take. So yeah, I think if you, if you put it in the hands of the employees and give them that data and make them aware, and especially things like mobile phones and copiers, often, you know, on a, on a corporate mobile phone rate or a printer copier, as an employee, you wouldn't necessarily know the difference between what it costs to print black and white versus color or how much a megabyte of data costs on your phone because un- unlike your personal phone, you don't have access to those contract contractual conditions. I mean, typically the, the telecoms or the IT category manager would, but the individual employees wouldn't necessarily know the terms of their contract. No, and, and part of our service is actually educating the employees um, around those terms within their contract or their tariff or whatever the services that they're using because you educate them and then they're able to just be a little bit more thoughtful and a little bit more conscious when it comes to using the service. It might be that as, as simple as I will try and print black and white where possible or I will try and print double-sided where possible. When I'm traveling, you know, I'll take my business phone abroad with me because that's, you know, I'm allowed to do that. However, I'll make sure that data roaming is turned off and that I connect to Wi-Fi where possible. And you you educate users. And, and I think a, a lot of companies fall into the trap of Everybody knows how to do this. Everybody knows how to turn data roaming off, you know, and, and whatnot, but they do, you know, so we have, we use just standard email and text messages out to, um, to employees to, to educate them on, on these hints and tips that make them better employees and, and help them manage their services better. So 30 to 40% savings during year one, I think to anyone listening to this, it sounds like a no-brainer. Do you usually see savings beyond year one? And if you do, do they, does does the curve tend to flatten as you go into year two and year three? Because I mean, I guess as a as a founder, as a CEO, your incentive is to to keep them on the contract as long as possible. But but do they reach a point where where it becomes very much diminishing returns? And if if they do, when does that typically be? Yeah, it's a great question and actually a great segue, James, actually, into kind of supplier market analysis. You're absolutely right. In the After the first year, in terms of employee engagement, the, the curve does flatten uh, and that's because the costs come down as low as they, you know, you would expect them to come down in terms of employee engagement. But then when you go into the second and third year, and by the way, we, we often have multi-year terms with, with our clients, very rarely a, a 12-month term. So the second and third year savings come through renegotiations with the service providers and helping the client through tender processes and providing that market analysis and benchmarking against our other clients and other service providers. So just through the the, the nature of the fact that you've got multiple clients that are that have different contract terms with with mobile phone providers or with, uh, with with printer copier providers, without breaching any commercial confidentiality, you're able to tell them whether or not they've got a good deal or whether they could be better off switching to a different a, a different tariff plan. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that's where I think it gets really interesting for for procurement leaders. 
I mean, not only is it a service that int- increases data transparency and and spend culture within the business, but it also does some of the IT procurement managers' job for them, I guess, in that case, because it makes them aware or, or, or at least provides them an idea of, of how competitive their contract terms are, especially knowing what they know after year one and after they've seen their costs sink. You know, would they be better off going onto a different plan? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's really insightful. Ultimately, it's the the use of of technology to to remove the manual work, and you, you just said it about you know doing the a lot of the work for the for the procurement um, leaders and the channel managers. They're using a technology or a service like like ours to remove that manual work, provide visibility and data rich a data rich solution. And that really resonates with the message I give on here and and with the services that I offer and on my website and the content that I put on LinkedIn. It's all around working smarter, but you don't necessarily need to work harder. And none of us want to be answering 100 100 emails a day and and being in the office for 10 hours a day. And even though there's going to be a huge amount of pressure on resources now, you know, post-COVID with everyone being really, really cost-conscious, these are the type of small wins that can really start to move the needle without, you know, it, t- it takes it takes an initial curve to get it set up. But once it's there, it's it's pretty much pretty much automatic, isn't it, from month to month in that the client gets the report, they see the data, it's in a format that they can easily digest and present it to their people. And it doesn't require much maintenance beyond, beyond the initial setup. Yeah, that's absolutely right, James. You know, we're delivering employee visibility at several levels or visibility of these indirect employee expenditures at at different levels where we're delivering it to the individual employee we're also then giving visibility to their manager or budget holder and then the senior leadership team or the individual um, or department that manages this particular spend would get what we call a management dashboard which gives them more of an overview of that expenditure so yeah you're hitting the company at different levels because ultimately they're different they have different wants and needs and there's a slightly different message and the report looks slightly different but ultimately it's getting people to all pull in the same direction and be more thoughtful if i were a cfo and and i was sat opposite you now just tell me in one minute why i should invest in this So we help large businesses engage with their employees and particular procurement leaders, finance leaders. And what we do is through employee engagement, we create a more cost conscious culture. And we know through working with our clients and our partners that when you provide the data in a nice, easy to understand, easy to access where the employees will manage the spend for you there is no need to create policy and guidance that is restrictive and not engaging at all you you can give the employees the data in a nice way engage with the employees and they will ultimately reduce the costs for you brilliant that's about 56 seconds so i'm <laughs> <laughs> And and that goes back to episode five. If, if anyone's listening to this, that's interesting in data and classification and presentation of, of data. Uh, my episode with Susan Walsh is a great introduction to that. So maybe go back and check that one out if you want to learn more about how 
good data classification can really drive good decisions. So yeah, thank you, Anthony. So final final point, if anyone would like to arrange a demo or get in touch with you, what's the best way that they can uh, can get in touch and find out and learn more? So people can get in touch with me personally via LinkedIn or feel free to email me directly. My email address is anthony at finfo, F-I-N-F-O dot I-O. And I will link to the website and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. So you can also access that there. Anthony, thanks very much for coming on. Great to learn more about how simplicity really is, in most cases, the best way and how we can move the needle even in these difficult times without having massive budgets to spend on IT. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, James. And that wraps up another great show with a really innovative, simple but very, very effective solution that can help you drive your spend down in the right direction without aggravating or demotivating your teams. Just before I sign off, I have a quick request for you. If as a listener, you really would like me to interview a particular guest or a particular startup and to get them on the show, I would love to hear from you who that is. Just drop me a DM on LinkedIn, or if we're not connected yet, then connect with me and reach out. And yeah, just tell me who you'd like me to have on the show, and I promise I will do my best to get them on. Until next time, everyone, thank you for listening. Take care, look after yourselves, stay productive, and bye for now. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the ProcureTech podcast. If you like the show, then please subscribe, or even better, why not write us a quick review on Apple Podcasts? It would not only really make my day, but it would also help our mission to enable procurement and finance leaders to become more data-driven through the power of digital transformation.